四条木屋町界隈は夜遊びにふける男女がひっきりなしに往来していましたこの界隈にこそお酒がめくるめく大人世界との出会いが私を待ち受けているのです
time chamber. <laughs> Your time chamber, the hyperbolic time chamber. It's my apartment. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so these are the two main characters, and so Senpai is this an upperclassman at Kyoto University. We were just talking. I was thinking we were just talking last episode about how we never see anime set in the university. Here's an anime set in the university. This is the anime in university block. Yeah. Of our of our podcast. Um, it's too anime long. <laughs> um, and so this, so, so it's set, it's, it's ostensibly set, there are a bunch of all students at Kyoto University, but they're, it's not really set at the university, it's sort of set in Kyoto, and like in downtown Kyoto. Um, and so, so Senpai has a crush on this, this girl that he's seen around, um, and she, and, and basically he has devised a quote-unquote clever plan uh whereby he will just sort of construct as many quote-unquote coincidental scenarios as possible where she and her where she and him will be in the same place um and then after some amount of time of, of this um he will eventually he will eventually <laughs> ask her out step step two question 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 mark. Yeah. step three <laughs> step three ask her out yeah because um, the idea the, the idea being that she'll take these repeated coincidences to be the red string of fate tying them together uh, yeah um which winds up being sort of a a theme one might say um so yeah so he he's so they're they're at this wedding um for somebody um for now and, for now Nalco and her husband yes they're at so yeah so they're at this wedding and and they're sitting at different tables and the senpai is with his friends who include uh the president of like the student affairs department or whatever it's called executive director executive director evil mastermind slash evil mastermind we'll get to that um and and also uh don underwear bancho panzo who's an absolute He's a champion. Um, he's, he, he's a beautiful man. Yeah, he's the best. And so he he received the name Don Underwear because he is in love with this girl who doesn't know that he exists. And so he's decided that he's going to not change his underwear until he sees her again. Um, right. Which seems like a great way to ensure that you'll never see that you'll never see her again. <laughs> Because um, he's on six months right now, and I'm surprised yeah. anyone's sitting at the table with him. Yeah, because the, the thing that I want to wonder is, like, well, is he showering in the underwear? Because if you're showering in the underwear, I can see it perhaps being able right. to go on a bit longer. I mean, that's like what the Mormons do. <laughs> Excuse me? Don't they have this the secret underwear that they can't remove? What? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you didn't know about that? No, I was going to go for Tobias Funke being a never-nude. Just Google Mormon. Look, look. Duck, d- Google results. Secret. Search, search Mormon. The first auto, first suggestion is Mormon underwear. 
Tem- a temple garment, also referred to as garment, the garment of the holy priesthood, or Mormon underwear, is a type of underwear worn by adherents of the Latter-day Saint movement after they have taken part in the endowment ceremony. Garments are worn both day and night and are required for any adult who previously participated in the endowment ceremony to enter a temple. The undergarments are viewed as a symbolic reminder of the covenants made in temple ceremonies and are seen as a symbolic and literal source of protection from the evils of the world. The garment is given as part of the washing and anointing portion of the endowment. Today, the temple garment is worn primarily by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and by some Mormon fundamentalist churches. Adherents consider them to be sacred and not suitable for public display. Anti-Mormon activists have occasionally publicly displayed or defaced temple garments to advance their opposition to the LDS Church. Temple garments are sometimes derided as magic underwear by non-Mormons, but Mormons view this terminology to be both misleading and offensive. Okay, so they don't actually have to keep wearing them always. No. Oh well, here no, no, here we go. Down at down at the latest section of LDS Church teachings, it says um, members should wear the garments both day and night, and they should not alter them. In the temple recommended view, members are asked if they wear the garment, are asked if they wear the garment in the in the interview. Uh, although the temple ordinance only states that you must wear the garment throughout your life, so that's ambiguous as to what that means. Members are told they should not partially or completely remove any portion of the garment to participate in activities that can, quote, reasonably done with the garment worn properly beneath the clothing, such as working in the yard. (laughs) (laughs) What constitutes reasonably being done with the garment on? Because, like, Uh, I bet if you are creative, you could fuck in that garment. Right, exactly. Um, what's stopping you? Only your imagination. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so, it's like Mormon underwear. So, so, yeah, so Don Underwear received his, his title because he, uh, became a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. God. Uh, So, yes, so, so there's Don Underwear, and then there's, uh, the school, the school festival executive leader, uh, who is who is also friends with Senpai, and Senpai outlines his elaborate plan um, to to these to these guys, and it's all culminating tonight. He's gonna ask her out tonight. He just needs to he just needs to figure out how to stage one final right. chance meeting. Right. Um, so neither neither of them have any sympathy because uh, Don Underwear uh, is a brave soul who's already. <coughs> um, done the hardest thing you can do to in pursuit of love which is not uh, change your underwear <laughs> and the director is a uh, like a playboy who's also a cross-dresser who yeah is he's, he's a playboy who's also a cross-dresser who's also a fascist constantly being thirsted over by men and women so um, he has no he has no sympathy for this incels plight yes so then so then kohai decides to, to to blow this popsicle stand and yeah. go out on the town in search of getting as blasted as possible. <laughs> that uh, what she, it, that's what she perceives adulthood to be. Yeah, what she perceives adulthood to be is I'm going to wander the town until I find a place with the cheapest drinks that I can possibly acquire, and I'm going to get extremely drunk. And so she finds a place where all the drinks are 200 yen, which is remarkable. Yeah, that's um, really cheap. That's it's astonishingly cheap for all the drinks. And so she shows up there, and there's a, a cute little animated like sequence where she just has just a bunch of different cocktails, and then she meets this guy there whose name is Toto. Uh, and he looks kind of like a trucker. You know, he's got, <laughs> he, gives off, he gives off trucker vibes. And he, starts, he, he tells her 
uh, about he starts mansplaining alcohol to her. Brandy was originally known as Vin Brule or burnt wine, and he goes on and on. He goes on and on, and then he tells her about fake Denki Bran. Yes! Uh, which is a legendary drink, and he says Denki Bran was cooked up by a well known joint in Asakusa back in the 1800s. It's a cocktail gone down in history. It's so famous you can find the stuff in convenience stores, but the recipe was kept under lock and key for ages. However, some time ago, some guy working for Kyoto Central Telephone got the bright idea to try replicating its flavor. After traveling down blind alleys of trial and error, which he discovered at the end of his journey, that's what's now known as fake Denki Brad. Both its taste and its scent, they're totally different from Denki Brand, but the mysterious and enticing flavor it does have, you can tell it's still being made in secret somewhere and being smuggled through the streets as we speak. Um... <laughs> And so, uh, he, he puts his arm around her and says, never forget to grab onto happiness with your own hands. And then sort of slowly, progressively moves his arm lower and lower down on her back until he's grabbing her tits. Uh, and then she gives him the friendship punch. Yeah. And so I have, I have, I have problems with the friendship punch. Yes. I wrote this down on my notes as well, which is that you should never, uh, punch with your thumb inside your fist. You should always punch with your thumb outside your fist because if you don't, you will break your thumb. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, like you I mean just, just visualize it. You got your fist around your thumb, and so like where you punch, like the the knuckles are gonna press back on your thumb, and fucking, it's the same thing that the only thing I ever learned from Motor Trend magazine was that <laughs> if you're driving off road, don't um, hook your thumbs around the wheel because if you hit a big bump, it could pull your thumbs out of the socket. Oh no! Um, I'm go- I, that's the only thing I've ever learned from this podcast. Keep keep your thumbs like on top of the steering wheel. Uh, oh, ah, ah. So thumb knowledge dropped. Okay. Um, so yeah. So then uh, after she delivers the friendship punch to this guy, he <laughs> knocks over his entire collection of medieval Japanese erotic art. <laughs> Which is, you know, we've all we've all we've all seen these these drawings. You know. We have, Medi- yeah, medieval Japanese pornography. And then, uh, um, and, then and, then, the, and then, and then the two the two uh, Mo, Mo and Curly show up. <laughs> yeah, Mo and Curly, and are like, "Well, you you found yourself, you got yourself into real trouble, didn't you?" Uh, yeah, Curly. they they basically they tell her that Toto is like. Definitely a, a pervert. Like he's well, he's a well-known local pervert. Um, area pervert. Yeah, area pervert, local pervert. Uh, so they're like, uh, uh, don't trust anyone, even us. Want to go get blasted? Yeah, and they also inform inform her, and this is crucial that he's part of he's part of the bedchamber investigation team, which, which is like the female later. body inspectors. Yeah, it, basically it, of Japan. Yeah. Yeah, there are a bunch of like weird perverts who collect uh, ancient Japanese porn, uh, and so they they t- they decide to take her out on a completely insane pub crawl. And she's like, "But I don't have any more money." And the guy is like, "It's been years since I've had any money either." Uh, and so then, and this is where I really fell in love with the first half of the movie was when they arrive at the next party, which is some sort of bizarre sending off party for this for this guy thrown by a bunch of sophists. Oh yeah. <laughs> I fucking completely lost my shit at this point. Um so 
for anybody in our audience who doesn't know what a sophist is, Alex, care to explain what a sophist is? Well, originally, it was the term described to uh, a group of pre-Socratic philosophers, but in popular uh, in, in, in the popular imagination, it's now uh, taken to mean a philosopher or just a man who puts forth spurious arguments uh, with the objective not of not of being right but of uh, of winning the argument yes so it's everyone on twitter basically <laughs> um, and so when she walks in here everybody's just having the most spurious arguments in the universe and this one guy the guy who the party is for walks up to her and he's very upset because the wedding that they were at earlier was for the girl that he's in love with marrying a different guy who she actually likes as opposed to this guy and so she he comes up with this like elaborate argument as to why women should never marry men that they love because uh uh love is just an emotion and rationality is where you know it's such a long-term decision you should really be making it rationally emotions and love such as love have no place in this so clearly you should marry me a person who you don't like because then you won't be bothered when I cheat on you. <laughs> it's 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 a brilliant uh, argument. It's it's amazing. Um, and then and, and then they, they do the do- the sophist dance. Then they teach them the dance of the sophist, which is where you sort of bend all the way like you crouch down and bend all the way over and you like flap your arms out weird with like your pointer fingers extended and you make a weird face and you just walk in a circle and you do that with a bunch of people uh and it's fucking insane uh and so this is where kohai learns the sophist dance uh from this party full of sophists uh, <laughs> which which comes in handy later the uh, yes. check off sophist dance check off sophist dance so then so then after this they decide to bounce from this party and go to someone's 60th birthday party and they show up and everyone is just miserable there everyone nobody's having a good time at this at this birthday party uh and so then they all they all walk in uh, nobody's drinking nobody's having fun and then kohai decides i'm gonna liven this party up well first, first the other first the other two try yeah uh so what's the dude's name the big with the uh, big chin um higuchi is his name higuchi okay. is his name so it's Higu- yes. higuchi and hanuki Uh, Yeah, Hanuki is the girl and Higuchi is the guy with the big chin who looks like a samurai. Right, so his his attempt to liven him up, so he he somehow stole Senpai's pants. Uh, No, no, that was, no, Senpai's pants were stolen by, like, weird jackbooted thugs owned by the old guy who, uh, Rihaku, who lives on a train that's on a boat. Oh, but then how did, how did, um... Oh, no, So, so the guy who lives on a train who's on a boat... Uh, the on a boat, Rihaku, he is like, he has this like army of jackbooted thugs that go around stealing young men's underwear, but they're only right. interested in the underwear, so they left the pants behind. Right. Um, and so then uh, uh, Higuchi, who doesn't wear underwear or pants normally, decides to steal those pants and put them on. Um, and so now Senpai, and there's this whole, there's a whole B-plot going on simultaneously with this, where Senpai has now had his underwear stolen and is now standing on the side of the road holding a milk crate to cover his dick up Desperately trying to get anybody to give him some underwear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to his underwear um, fiasco. So we're we're at the sixtieth birthday party, and uh, Higuchi's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna do my my best magic trick that I can only do when I'm wearing a, a suspicious pair of black pants." 
And so he pretends to levitate, imagining the black pants will uh, blend in with the wall. And so it looks, and so he puts his arms in like the lower part of his samurai kit and makes it look like he's uh, slowly, slowly rising into the air, but obviously he's not. And all the 60 year olds are like, what the fuck? And they boo. Yeah, him. they're not, uh, very unimpressed. <laughs> And then what is what's what's the girl's name? Uh, where is it? I lost it. Uh, Hanuki. Hanuki and Higuchi. Okay. Yeah. So what does Hanuki do? I don't remember what Hanuki does. She does. Okay. She tries something too, and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. But really, then, what's important is that is that Kohai decides um, that she's going to liven this party up and uh, starts doing the dance of the sophists. Hell yeah! Uh, and then all the old men there are just like, I remember my days as a sophist, and they they lose their minds and start doing the dance to the sophists. Um, There's one part where he's like, "This is from those lazy days we spent dabbling in rhetoric." Yeah. At <clears throat> the first like frame of the subtitle, I thought I thought it was dabbing <laughs> because, of, <laughs> because of the position there. The they're dance of the sophists. Yeah. Dabbing. I mean, this movie did come out in 2017, I think. Peak, mm. peak dabbing year. Fuck. Um, so then they're like, holy shit, uh, Kohai, you are the once in a century drinker. Yeah, your talent like yours only comes across in every hundred years, and, he, and she's the best, and she's the best at getting drunk and partying. <laughs> so, so they pour her like a bowl of wine, yeah. and they're like, Go go challenge what? Go challenge the underwear demon to a drinking contest. Yeah, um, and so then we cut to Senpai, who has been he basically got invited by Toto to it, to come into into his apartment and drink with him under the auspices that this will then result in Senpai being able to get some underwear. Right. Uh, and Toto does not relent. Senpai's just sitting there. They're both drinking. Senpai is miserable, and Toto is just getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And and. <laughs> Con- says. Constantly being like, I, I know th- what that look in your eye says. Oh, this is just a, a dirty man loving porn. And Senpai's like, I just I don't want care. Underpants. I don't care. And, I just and want just underpants. Like, and then Toto's like, who gives a shit? You think a scum-sucking student like you deserves underwear? <laughs> I got to where I was by busting my ass to my own naked merits. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, and while this is going on, eventually, so they they they're doing the sophist dance, and then all the the old guys, the six year old birthday party, they decided to join them for the rest of their pub crawl. And then there's a great montage where like uh, one of the uh, Higuchi just like smokes like ten cigarettes at once and blows a giant smoke koi, uh, and and basically it's then revealed during the scenes with with senpai where uh, Toto is in massive amounts of debt. Um, and is going to lose his entire porn, his entire collection of ancient porn. Um, because you know, his koi and, pond went bust. Yeah. And he um, had, I guess he had leveraged that against his debt to, to the mm. underwear pervert. Yeah. Uh, cool. And so, so eventually these, 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 these threads converge and their pub crawl ends in Toto's house where there's a meeting of, of the, the, the bed chamber. The female, female body, body inspectors. <laughs> yeah, there's an FBI meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, then, and then that's when the triple-decker boat shows up. 
Yeah, so there's a boat with a trickable decker with a triple decker stain <laughs> on it. A trickable decker. A trickable decker. A triska decker. Uh, no. So so yes, and then so so um, Kohai shows up there. Senpai's still there. He's still not wearing any pants. He's not very happy about this. Um, and then inexplicably, Kohai is just like, "Well, you know what, Toto, you're not that bad. I'm going to challenge Rihaku, who's the guy who owns the boat, and he has this massive collection of uh uh of that fake that fake alcohol." Uh, he has this massive, like, drunk drink collection. I'm gonna challenge him to a, a drinking contest for your debt. Um, right. Essentially, is, is, is well, what happens. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she, yeah, she forgives Toto for being a creep. Yeah, he's like, that, I'm the guy who because, threw out erotic art and felt you up. Why would you help me? Because he, he inadvertently introduced her to the wonders of the nightlife, and her whole thing is just... That following, following, uh, just the night wherever it leads will uh, never lead her astray, and that it's all fate. So he was part of her uh, adventure just as much as Higuchi and what's her face were. Yeah, um, and so then, so she gets on the boat along with the rest of the uh, rest of the pub crawl, and they all gather around the table, um, and uh, the guy introduces fake Denki Bran, um, <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, and by this time, this is everybody in the yeah, like, this is the, fucking the, everybody's the, there. The fiance and the and the groom and all the people from both parties are all just yeah. like <clears throat> became a huge conga line in the streets of Kyoto. Yeah, and so he, and I don't know if this was just the the subtitles that I had, but he described uh, he des- he describes fake Denki Brand as alcohol as transparent as pure water, while on the screen a beverage that looks exactly like radioactive piss is being poured into a glass. <laughs> I had that subtitle too. I was like, wait, yeah, yeah, I know we were we were using the same subs, uh, and I was just like, what are you talking about? That's not. I mean, it's translucent, sure, but it's clearly yellow. Um, well, and then he, and God, then what he kind t- of water are you drinking? Yeah, and then he he takes the he takes the first sip and he goes, "The taste of fake Denki brand is life's meaninglessness." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Kohai decides says, "No, no, no! The taste is like being filled with top to bottom with life's warmth. I believe yeah. everything, even drinking with you. All of it is connected with somehow." Um, and they sort of go back and forth like this. Like he's like, you'll, you'll soon understand. That's only the deception of the drink. Reality is a bleak world full of nothing but lust and greed. There are no connections between people. Only isolation. And they sort of go back and forth like this for a while, and then eventually he passes out. Um, oh, so this book, this this movie is, is basically the film version of everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just need Alan Watson here to talk about the interconnectedness of all beings. And all books, as we learn later. Yes, we'll talk about that. So yeah, so Kahai wins the drinking contest, eradicates Toto's debt, um, and everybody because lo- because all the alcohol in her belly just turns into flowers. Yes, and everybody loses their fucking minds. Um, and then and Senpai loses his uh, pants. Yeah, and he somehow ends up standing in front of her, and she gives him the friendship punch, and he falls into the river. Yeah, 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 right. He, like, falls down in front of her, and then she, like, looks at him, and his... Oh, and right, because after after she defeated the underwear pervert, he uh, Senpai was trying to get back his pair from the flag where they're all flying. Oh, yeah, yeah. On, on the end of the ship, and then he falls off in front of her, and she's like, gross, you're a dick. Yeah, he's uh, just like, why but, is this nude man standing in front of me? 
And she just bops him into the, into the yeah. right It's way If you're going to be standing in front of someone unexpectedly, it's frankly way worse to be wearing just a shirt and no pants than to be completely nude. Oh, absolutely. Um, worst of all if you, is if you're completely nude, save for a cowboy hat. <sighs> <sighs> and socks. Um, and sack out my hat and socks dick out. I am forcibly removed. <laughs> I am forcibly removed from Kyoto University. Um, so yeah, so, so then she gets so off the boat. That's, the boat. So that's, that's like part one, I guess, if you yeah. want to cut it up into, into places. So that yeah, that's sort of, the, yeah, that's the end of, of part one of the, the pub crawl. Yeah, and then now, um, we have, now we have the book fair. Yeah, this definitely so like this book, or this book, this movie is based on a book um, oh. of the same of the same title. How? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of amazing. So yeah, so it's it's based on a book uh, uh, by Tomihiko Morimi, um, who also wrote. So the the director uh, Masaki Yuasa, he has adapted a number of this guy's books. He so he uh. wrote Night of Short Walk on Girl. He also wrote Penguin Highway, and he also wrote The Tatami Galaxy. Uh, which yeah, was a yeah. um, another show, uh, like a mini series that uh, Morimi directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is based on a book, and I definitely like not in the way that it's animated, but in the structure of it. It feels structured more like a book than a film, where it's just like a bunch, especially this style of book, where it's just like a sort of a bunch of weird vignettes that just yeah. sort of that just sort of happen. Um, yeah. Um, so then, so then she gets off the boat and she's standing by the river, um, and she's hanging out with, with her, her friends, uh, her new, her newfound friends, uh, Higuchi and Hanuki, uh, and they see this flyer for a used book sale floating in the, the used book market floating in the river, and it makes her remember, uh, a picture book that she had as a child, Ratatatam, which is a real book, um, and it is, I looked for it on today's sponsor, betterworldbooks.com, uh, and they have it listed, but it's out of stock. Damn it. Um, so, that'll be our next rug quest, is, uh. is to hunt down <laughs> Ratatatam. Um, oh, yeah, what's, what's, the, what's the shipping status on that thing? <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be ruined again, I know it. I, 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 I'm crossing my fingers because it's, it's shipping to you and it's going to arrive and it's going to be a Pizza Hut lamp and a green plastic bag shattered into a million pieces. Yeah, okay. Estimated delivery is Tuesday. Oh. Okay. So, <laughs> so you'll be able to show it off on your stream. Exactly. I can do it unboxing at twitch.tv slash miss underscore input. Um, so yeah, so she, she remembers this book that she read it as, as a child. And I bet she really, really loved. I bet she she doesn't know where it is anymore, and so she decides to go to the used book market to see if she can find it. Um, and there's, she does this like sort of bizarre gesture when she's going off for this. Like she like she like looks around. And she's like, oh my god! And then she starts like moving her arms like she's a train and walks she, off screen. Did you notice she did it at the beginning of the movie too? It's like a slightly uh, different gesture, but yeah, I took a screenshot of that right at the beginning of the movie when she walks up to this vending machine. She does this just like weird, just like yeah, weird like, leaping train gesture that I just okay. love. And since uh, I first notice her peel off from the main group, she's like yeah. looking at the vending machines, doing a little choo-choo dance. <laughs> yeah. Just marches off. Yeah. Uh, and so then, so then we find out where Senpai's gone uh, after he got punched off of the uh, off of the roof, which is that he's he's been kidnapped by the school festival executive. 
Oh, right. Uh, and and he's taken to uh, a building that used to be, they say, it used to be the HQ for the library police, which was an organization made to collect overdue library books from students. Uh, but now, now it's used by the school festival executive, uh, and it's furnished with the latest in surveillance equipment. Every single piece of information on our students is gathered is gathered there. And naturally, we've collected info on her as well. You know, the girl, the girl that Senpai is interested in, Kohai. Um, the raven-haired girl. The raven-haired girl. Um, and he and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? This is illegal, isn't it? And he's and he's like, so you don't want to know? <laughs> uh, and so this is where, where Senpai finds out about Ratatatam and finds out that uh, Kohai is going out searching for it. And so he decides that he's going to use this information. And so he becomes convinced that if he brings her a copy of Ratatatam, she will immediately fall in love with him. Um... So he decides to go to the used book market, basically, uh, as, as on assignment from the school festival executive, um, and this 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 subplot will blossom in the next part. Uh, <laughs> this sub this subplot will blossom insanely, um, and so they go to the used book market, and and senpai senpai arrives there, uh, and he immediately has ice cream thrown on his dick by a terrible <laughs> child, <laughs> who then goes, "What did you do? I demand reparations." <laughs> <laughs> reparations is such a good it's, translation for whatever it was for whatever it was yeah it is it's exactly what i can imagine this child saying <laughs> it's, it's it's very it's very monty python help help i'm being repressed <laughs> of course as we learn later this this horrible child is in fact the god of the used books market yeah but we don't we, we don't know that yet he's just a weird little kid with sharp teeth Yes, he's just a weird small child who is intent on throwing ice cream at, at Senpai's dick. <laughs> no, he didn't do anything. <laughs> just, just he's, he's the guy that used the book market, and Senpai is the Job of this Bible. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, so, yeah, so... They wander around the youth book market, and Kohai finds out that there are these these shadowy people uh, who who they hold on to these rare books, and they don't want they don't put them on the open market so that more people can read them. You know, they sell them out at shady auctions. You know, in places where ordinary people can't go for extortionate prices. Um, you know, and, and that stops the flow of books. And this is the thing that the, the god of the youth book market he fucking hates. Yeah. Uh, and so then. So, so Senpai then, Wander is, like, standing sort of near the edge of the used book market still looking for this book. And then the kid walks up to him, like, oh no, he's, he's like, cleaning his pants in the river. Um, the ice cream, right. Yeah. He's cleaning his pants in the river because they got ice cream on them. And then the kid walks up to him again and throws ice cream even more directly on his dick. Um, and then claims that Senpai told him to do it. Uh, and then... <laughs> and then everybody gathered around, and for some reason everybody, everybody looks at him and it's just like... Oh, we're gonna fuck this kid up, and what the old guy who was talking no, about? No, 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 no. What, yeah. like, so, 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 um, the old, the old, like man, manager of these book market or whatever had been chasing the, the little kid because he'd been stealing the, he'd been stealing the price tags off of books, and so uh, they 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 chased him to the river where senpai was, and uh, the little kid threw more ice cream at his dick, and and then said that. Senpai told him to, to steal those price tags, or else he would molest him. Yeah, and then and then they they're looking at this this, this guy man, wearing this no man pants and underwear on his on, on underwear on his boxers, and they're like, 
You're perfect. Yeah, and, and the old guy who runs that stall in these book is like, I hope you like prison, kid. And so I was like, I'm sure I won't. <laughs> which, is, nice. which is the best possible response. <laughs> I'm sure I won't. Um... Let's get out of that one again. So Toto shows up, and because he wants and gets him out of that, because Toto's a pervert, and so he knows how to get perverts out of stuff. Um, he has connections, you know. Uh, and so, and 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 so Toto basically tells him to go to the secret auction in a big circus tent in the woods on his behalf to try to get his his porn collection back. Right. Um, and so Senpai goes out to this weird circus tent in the woods, and there's, uh, several other members of the, the, the female body inspectors, uh, are uh, out also, there. And also Higuchi. Yes, and also Higuchi is there. And they walk into this, like, big circus tent, and who is, who is the master of this, of this tent, of this auction, than Rihaku. Who else? Who underwear else pervert. Underwear pervert. Noted, un- noted underwear pervert. And this auction is the weirdest auction that anyone's ever had, because the way that it works is that you don't pay money. You all just sit around a big pot full of spicy food, and whoever can eat from the pot for the longest gets the book of their choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, look, it's a very civilized way of doing it. <laughs> You, you would like it if all actions worked that way, because then you would be able to get whatever you wanted. At least, at least against competing against you. Oh yeah, I, I, like I'm not the biggest spice wuss in the world, but I'm definitely a bigger spice wuss than you. Yeah, but the, the the context for this, I guess, is that when I was in San Francisco and Alex was also in San Francisco uh, earlier this year, which it feels insane to say that it was earlier this year because it feels like it was two hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> We went out and got burritos, and the place that Alex took me to get burritos, their burritos were the spiciest things on earth. It felt like I was eating just magma. It felt like I was eating a burrito full of magma and rice. And I had to go get extra hot sauce. <laughs> I'm from the East Coast. We don't have this stuff here. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I felt. I felt very smug um, this past week. I was in. A, I was at a conference in St. Louis, and I, I ordered. I went to the Indian place, like, how spicy? And I was like, she was like, she was like, mild, medium, or hot? And I was like, give it to me hot. And she was like, oh, oh, you're brave. And then it was perfectly manageable. Because, because of the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, in in California, I've gotten like, I've asked for hot, and and I have literally died. (laughs) Oh, Oh, have you? So it's all relative. Yeah, I, uh, there was definitely a point in my life when I realized that, uh, the menus at the Chinese restaurants near my house, yeah. when the, the menu said things were spicy, it didn't mean that they were actually spicy, it just means that they tasted like something, which to <laughs> the white people who live in Connecticut is, is equivalent to spice. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, there was that, there was that image going around where it was like a, I think it was like a store, like a store thing of, um, it might have been ramen. Uh, but it was it said in English spicy, and then it said in Chinese mild. <laughs> um, so yeah, so while while Senpai is off going to the secret book auction, Kohai has met up with with Don Underwear, uh, who's hanging out with um, uh, Higuchi and Hanuki at 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 a katatsu covered in ice. <laughs> the ice katatsu. The ice. The ice katatsu. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, and Don Underpants tells us the story 
of of why he hasn't changed his underpants. Like he 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 fleshes out the story. We know it's because he's into a girl, but we don't know the story. And the story is is that he was sitting around at, across the bench from this other girl, and then a bunch of apples fell from the sky. And then an apple hit both of them on the head simultaneously, and then they looked at each other for a while, and then she got up and left. Um, and then he decided that this must be love at first sight, and he should never change his underwear. Correct. Um, so, so yeah, so, while this is happening, uh, everybody, ever, their senpai is eating spicy food, and senpai and the, and the female body inspectors are eating extremely well, yeah, spicy I, food. I think we've mixed up the timing, because... Um, Higuchi has already left and gone to the auction. Yes. Um, and then, and then Hanuki has gotten a cold. And then, so she runs off to bed. Do we see no, her? No, she's no, she's still at the Kotatsu, but she's she has a cold and she's just sort of sitting there, just like swallowing in her own sick juices while yeah. Don Underwear tells telling them us. is telling uh, the story, and Higuchi okay. has left to go to has the auction. Us. Yeah, um, and. Guess what one of the books at the auction is? Ratatatam. The very same copy that Kohai used to own as a child. Yes, it has, it has her name, name on, on it. it. Uh. <laughs> and, so, and so that gives uh, Senpai the, the, the courage to eat these giant slabs of yes, fine meat. Yes, just comically huge. Also, if 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 I remember the, too, the I'm going when we when we say it has our name on it at the same time. I'm just going to pan our audio hard left and right so that I'm in one ear and you're in the other ear. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, so yeah. And then so, meanwhile, so and so everyone else has has dropped out except Higuchi and Senpai. They've all they've all literally died from, <laughs> from the spice. Their souls leave their bodies. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Kohai is still at the used book market looking for this book, and she meets the guy at the used book market, and this is where we find out who he is because he says Whoa. he says to her because she catches him ripping the price tags out of books, and she and she says you're not you're doing a naughty thing right now, and he says no no no, no I'm doing a very good thing because every book is connected, and I have screenshots of this whole thing. He goes on a whole thing, and he's like, for example, that girl has the entire Sherlock Holmes, the Arthur author, the Arthur. The author, Arthur. Conan, the author, Conan Doyle, getting inspiration from the French author Jules Verne, he wrote the science fiction novel The Lost World. That's Matthias Sandorf, written by Verne out of respect for Alexander Dumas. Dumas' work, The Count of Monte Cristo, came to Japan under the name of The Cavern King. The first to adapt it was Ryuko Kuroa uh, of the Yorozu Morning News, and he in turn appeared as a character in the novel The Meiji Tower of Babel. The author of that was Futaro Yamada. In his War Generation Anti-War Diaries, Yamada declared the novel Oni Fire to be utter rubbish. That was written by Seishi Yo... Yokomizo. He was an editor at the mag- magazine Shin Sienen in his youth. And his co-editor at the time was, on- was On Watanabe, author of The Androgynous Scion. Junichiro Ta- Tanazaki submitted an article titled Harasumu to honor him after his death. Tanazaki engaged in a fierce literary dispute with Ry- Ryunosuke Atagawa. Months after this boot, Akutagawa took his own life. Hi- Hyakan Uchiida explored the particulars of the suicide in Bowler Hat. This work was then praised by Yuko Mishima. At the age of 22, Mishima declared his hatred of Osamu Desai directly to Desai's face. After losing his friend to tuberculosis, Desai wrote an article in his in memoriam. And he goes on like this for quite a while, um, <laughs> explaining how every book is connected. Um, and, 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 that, and, and, and... That all books must remain in the great sea of books and not be locked away by collectors like the underwear pervert. 
Yes, uh, and then Kohai asks intermingle and commune with each other. Yes, and then Kohai asks him, "What what on earth are you?" And he says, "I'm the god of the used book market." Uh, and he offers divine wrath to those who swap the flow of books by locking them away. And his duty is to return those books back to the sea that they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, then it cuts back to Senpai basically winning the the auction and getting Ratatatam right as uh, Kohai agrees to participate in a plot with the god of the used book market to shut down this auction. Uh, by pulling by ch- pulling down the the circus tent that they're having it in by untying a red string, <gasps> symbolic, red string. symbolic, symbolic, sim- sim- symbolic. Yes, symbolism. Oh, I love I, symbolism. I don't know what what for, Me but neither. it's certainly obvious. <laughs> but it must it must mean something because I noticed it immediately. Yeah. Damn. Uh, and so, yeah, so the circus tent collapses and turns into birds, uh, and all the books g- grow wings and fly away. Except for Roger the Tom, which Senpai is holding on to for dear fucking life. Well, it, it tries to run it away. It tries to, yes. And he gets and dragged so, through the dirt head first. Hell yeah. Uh, hilariously holding on to this book. Uh, and so then they all, so then Kohai decides to leave, the, like, walks back from the circus tent and is walking back. And encounters some dun, gorilla, dun, dun. some gorilla theater. <laughs> um, and this, this is this is truly an anime about college life. Yeah, <laughs> it really, truly is because some dudes show up and they just sort of like chant and and build this giant like elevated stage um, in the middle of a park. Uh, in, in the middle of the woods, like, next to the used book market, and then some guys show up, like, and then two people stand on top of it, and, like, d- do a short scene from a play called The Eccentric King, um, where, like, one of the characters is this girl in this, like, really weird dress, and she has a special curry, um... And she's the the president of Kyoto University, and she has a special curry, and she's threatening to pour it on this other guy's most precious prized possession, a like rubber sex doll. Uh, <laughs> and then they, oh, they yeah. bursted she has, a she song, has a whole song about pouring curry. See, yeah, she's like, "I to cover this thing in curry and leave it in the woods for animals to chew on." Yeah, and then he starts singing about just nonsense about breast rock climbing. Um, this oh right, because because he, he's a member of the, of the FBI, and so one of their one of their like club activities is making a rock climbing wall where the the grips are shaped like boobs. Yeah, um, that is the most Thomas Pynchon esque detail I have ever seen in an anime. Um, is that a, is that a Thomas Pynchon thing? Yes, there's a bit at the beginning of the Thomas Pynchon novel V where uh they talk there where the one of the protagonists goes to a bar where all of the beer taps are shaped like tits oh um and it was uh, the number one thing i could think about when we were talking about breast rock climbing <laughs> got it, um, got it, got it. it's it's hi- highly pinchonian oh, um, oh. <laughs> and so this this thing just happens out of nowhere and then we get some some expo- some exposition from the the school festival executive who describes them as a terrorist group intent on guerrilla theater <laughs> 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 oh. 
Uh, and this happens after uh, Senpai builds like a little stall that they use book market where he's selling only one book, Tom, with the intention that the, the Kohai will come along and see it. Um, but little does he know, by this point, she's already moved on and is at the school festival. Um, yeah. No, no, this is, no, that's at the school festival. He, he, cause, cause this, no, he builds a stall at the used book market and then they, they, they destroy his stall to build another. No, because, what, what, cause when the, in the, in the, in the situation room with the, the director is, he's like, <clears throat> uh, senpai's like, what the fuck just happened? And he's, he's like, the gorilla group goes around. Uh, the student festival taking unpopular stalls and turning and turning their materials into their into their uh, guerrilla theater props. Yeah. So they, yeah, not even props. They just build the stage out of the parts that they steal right, from right, unpopular right. stalls. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and and so then uh, they 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 then are introduced. We're we're then introduced to the school festival and then. Uh, and and we're introduced to another another component of this 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 insidious terrorist conspiracy that the school festival executive is fighting against, which is the swift-footed Kotatsu. <laughs> Wait, so, okay, so 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 is there? Do they even try to explain what? Like, so they at one point they say that the girl at theater is like trying to like reveal the CD, like seediness of the of the student government of which our little cross-dressing fascist is, is the head do we ever find out what exactly like the politics of that are uh well the, the thing the the big reveal is that there's no politics at all and it's all an elaborate ploy to get for don underwear to get the attention of the girl that he saw the, at, yeah. oh, where they yeah. both got bonked on the head with apples. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's it just constructed entirely for that purpose. Oh, and so, e- so even the fascists were taken in? Uh, and, and thinking it was aimed against them? I think so. I don't... Like, I don't think it's ever... Like, it's it's taken for granted that these groups are in opposition to one another. And you can, yeah. you can just sort of... You can, like... You can either try to question it, which I feel like is antithetical to the point of the film, <laughs> or you can just go with it and be like, all right, the school festival executive is trying to track down these nasty terrorists who are helmed by a man with a MacBook and a swift-footed Kotatsu and a, with a hot pot. Let's, let's fucking go. <laughs> Uh, so for anybody in the audience who doesn't know what a kotatsu is, it's a kind of Japanese coffee table that has a blanket around it and a heating element underneath it, so you can put your feet underneath it and your feet will stay warm in the winter. Um, they're really common in Japan, and they aren't common here in the U.S., even though they should be because they're, they sound really comfy. They sound Uh, amazing. They sound extraordinarily comfortable. Um, but we don't have them. Basically every anime has a kotatsu, like aspect yeah yeah we don't have them here uh probably because in order to use a kotatsu you have to sit on the floor and for some reason americans don't like sitting on the floor even though sitting on the floor is great that could be it yeah Yeah. that's that's probably it because like in japan like nobody has couches or anything like that like or they do but they'll be like they mostly sit on the floor next to the kotatsu because it's warm the the couches are well at least at least are they still a novelty or or maybe not yeah i don't know Anyway, because it's a whole other thing about like like Japanese apartments are really really small by American yeah. standards, which is like it connects to a bunch of stuff. So like they, this is a thing that they actually mentioned near the end of this movie. 
which is like the idea that in a lot of Japanese apartments, they don't have their beds out all the time like we do in American apartments. They fold oh, them up right, put them right, in the closet. Right. Um, and this also connects to the fact that like thing like the nightlife and stuff like that is really is really big in Japan because there's nothing to do in your house because it's so tiny that you go out. And that's why arcades are still really big in Japan because it's like, where am I going to put stuff to like video games in my apartment? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, so like people want to people want to leave their houses more than than we Americans do, where we all you know shutter ourselves away in our like enormous ivory towers. <laughs> so yeah, so we learn about the swift-footed Kotatsu, and they're they're helping they're treating passerbys to helpings from the hot pot, uh, and this is another just another element that the the. Um, the, the school festival executive just can't stand. He can't stand all this disorganized, all this guerrilla fun having that's going on, you know. <laughs> um, and so while this is happening, Kohai uh, plays one of those games where you shoot it with, like, at, like festival games where you, like, shoot at the paper targets and win prizes. Yeah. Uh, and she wins a giant red carp backpack. Yeah, I want that thing so bad. <laughs> I would yeah, never that. use it. It's way too big to ever be practical, but I love it. Yeah, it was it was great. It's amazing. It's it's just a huge thing. And so Kohai explores the the school festival. She she discovers breast breast rock climbing. <laughs> uh, um, and then and then finally finds the swift footed Kotatsu and meets up with with its 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 sort of stalwart stewards, uh, Don Underwear and Taguchi. <laughs> can you can you hear that person banging around upstairs? I can. I was about to ask what the fuck is going on. My, I don't know. My upstairs neighbor has a has a uh, a bug in their rug. <laughs> Your upstairs neighbor is jerking off more furiously than anyone ever has. <laughs> what is that? I have no fucking clue. They're like tenderizing meat. They're as, as, putting assembling IKEA furniture. They're. I was I was gonna say maybe they're getting back at me for assembling so much IKEA furniture. <laughs> They're getting back at you for recording a podcast. Um, yeah, just as soon as you're going to hear it, just like somebody shouting down the hall, your podcast sucks! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so yeah, so she meets, she meets up with them and learns that Don Underwear is the guy um, who is writing the play. He's the, he's the playwright. Yeah, that's uh, what that MacBook is all about. Yeah, that's why he's always had this laptop. He's, he's been writing the play all night. He writes the next scene, and then they perform it immediately afterwards. Um, and he's coming up on the, on the final scene that they're going to perform, which is uh, the, it's a love scene where he's going uh, to fall in love with Apple Girl, and hopefully the similarities between his experience in the play and the experience in real life will lead Apple Girl to... Uh, to show reveal up herself. to reveal herself. Um, oh, and so at this point, Kohai has taken over as the lead actress in the guerrilla theater. Well, because... that happens immediately afterwards because when she finds out about the love scene, because uh, the the original lead actress gets kidnapped, gets captured I... by the school festival executive. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought she. I, well, she did. She did one scene before that. Um, no, she, did, it... she did two scenes. Yeah, she did two scenes. Um... So yeah, so yeah, so they're they're sitting at the Kotatsu and she learns that he's working on the love scene, but there's another scene before then, I think is how it happens or something like that. Yeah, well it doesn't um, matter. It doesn't um, really matter. Uh, yeah, basically what happens is that she she becomes she is sort of thrust into the the lead actress role uh in this in the play The Eccentric King, because the original lead actress gets captured by the school festival executive. 
Um, and so, uh, yeah, once once Senpai realizes that, <clears throat> that she's going to be in a love scene with uh, Bancho Pansu, he 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 flips his wig. Um, yeah. And 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 uh, his he turns on his heart nitro jets. Yeah, they they just said the Don underwear must not take the stage at all costs. Um, and so they're they're racing because they also realize that the way that this is working is that the Swift footed Kotatsu sets up at the place. Uh, Don underwear writes the scene, and then the gorilla theater production of that scene happens at the place where the Kotatsu just was. Yeah. Um. So the, so, so the school festival executive learns this and therefore learns where the guerrilla theater performance is going to happen next. Um, because he knows where the, the Kotatsu just was. So he's, he's racing there, trying to, trying to set it up. And they get there, and uh, the, the, Kotatsu, the Kotatsu was one step ahead of them. They realize that they found it out, and so they move the guerrilla theater production at the last moment. Uh, so Senpai loses his, his fucking mind and runs up onto the roof. He activates his heart nitro jets, yes. Uh, and runs up, runs, runs, or whatever the fuck he calls it, uh, and then runs up onto, onto the, uh, the, the roof of this building and then takes a zip line down and kicks Don Underwear in the chest while he's delivering. <laughs> his, his heartfelt love. <laughs> while he's delivering, his, he's, he's singing about, about his experience with this Apple girl, um, and then, and then everybody just starts booing him, he's like, who the fuck is this guy? who <laughs> just showed up and is going to kiss this kohai and then he the trapdoor springs yeah the trapdoor springs and he gets dumped through the floor and don underwear comes up on onto the the thing uh and then and then apple girl reveals herself and then yeah they then yeah they do the scene and he says apple girl if you're out there speak now or forever hold thy peace and she and she speaks yeah, she speaks and she arrives. She comes on the stage. She sings a little song. Uh, Don Underwear is overjoyed, and then the trap is sprung, and it turns out that the Apple Girl was the school festival executive the whole time, and you're all under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> it's the stupidest thing it's in the so world. So dumb, and like I, if it, like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so somehow he he knew to disguise himself as Apple Girl like six months ago in order to make Dot Underpants fall in love with him. Uh, I didn't get the impression that it was that long of a scheme, but I think I got the impression that they just saw each other because he just cross dresses normally, like that's just a thing that he does for fun. Well, and yeah, then- he, I mean, he said like Apple Girl is my idol, like. Um, alter ego. I do it for fun. Alter ego, and then, and then what is and then? Uh, your beloved apple girl was a mere disguise. And I had like it for my own amusement, and then, um, and I thought he said something about it being like a long, long con. I don't uh, think it was a long... Or I don't remember it being a long con. I, I remember it just... I, I, I was under the impression that okay. it was just sort of like a, an yeah. opportunistic thing where he realized, oh, this is who Don Underwear was in love with the whole time. Yeah, I, well, no, I might as well spring the trap. I think you're right, yeah. And and take advantage of this situation to just really fuck with Don Underwear. <laughs> uh, poor Don Underwear. <laughs> uh... uh he hasn't okay. changed his underwear in six months. Cut them out of break. 
But then, uh, like, the, the guerrilla theater director... Yeah. It's like, fuck you, Don Underwear. I've been in love with you this entire time, and you're just, a, you're just obsessed You've been with ignoring me. Stupid Apple girl. Uh, and yep. then, You've been ignoring me for the stupid Apple girl who's just your other friend fucking with you. <laughs> and then, Don, and then, uh, and then uh, the executive director is like, but after all, all of my like fascism is just because I'm so lonely inside. So if you'll love me, I'll I'll like be Apple Girl forever. Yeah. And then Don Underwear is like, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and then the trapdoor springs again. Yeah, because because senpai like climbs up from underneath the stage and pulls the pulls the trapdoor, uh, and then da- and then uh, 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 the school festival executive in in Apple Girl guys um, falls through the stage, um, and then everyone's like, "Well, shit!" <laughs> and then the fish come back. Yeah, and then a bunch so, of koi fall from the sky. So so like ten ten years ago, when Toto is um pouring out his life story i forget if he's i forget if this is when he's talking to senpai or kohai i think he's talking to senpai he's talking about how he he lost all his he's in debt because his koi farm was destroyed by a tornado and then he you see you see a flashback of him crying out the names of all his koi and saying fuck you koi as, as, they, as they're sucked into the eye of the storm. Yeah. And so, uh, here they, and so, so Chekhov's Koi Tornado. <laughs> Chekhov's Koi Tornado. I had completely forgotten about it. By this point, and so just a bunch of Koi fall from the sky, and then a Koi hits the theater director on the head at the same time as as Don Underwear. And, and then, so that, since we've discovered that's his, like, his trigger for falling in love... Um, something falling on his head and something falling on someone else's head at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Which, like, if I were that girl, I would feel kind of shitty that the only thing that made this guy fall in love with me was that I got hit in the head with a fish. Well, look, earlier she was like, look, if it's all about looks, I'll get cosmetic surgery. She's kind of a dipshit. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, it turns out the apple isn't the important part. It's the the hitting on on the head. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're happily ever after. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Uh, <laughs> fucking hell! So that's part uh, three. Yeah, that's part three. Uh, and, and then, then uh, everybody the Al- catches Al- a cold. Albert Camus, the plague. <laughs> yes, yes, and then the plague descends on the town. Everybody gets a cold because they've been partying too hard. Uh, and so uh, Kohai, who is Im- seemingly immune to this cold, goes to visit Higuchi and Hanuki, uh, and uh, is informed by Higuchi about this miracle cold cure um, called what is it called? Jumpero. Yeah, yeah, Jumpero. Uh, which is like this weird pink slime. It looks like Pepto Bismol, but more viscous. You can make, uh, you can, yeah, because you can make little um, popsicles or not yeah. popsicles, lollipops out of it. Yes, and it cures uh, the it cures the cold. How many uh, licks does it take to cure your fever? Just one. Woo! Um, 
And so then Kohai decides to go around and visit the people that she's met over the course of the night while they're sick because she's the only person who's not sick. And so she, she goes to the convenience store and she finds Don Underwear, who is just, he's hes so ill. Like, he's, he's just standing at the convenience store holding a bottle of cola and he is out of it. Like, he's going super saiyan. It's just steam emanating from his body. There's so yeah, at first much... I thought, at first I thought that was a stench, but he said he finally was wearing new underwear because he... F- yeah, he found love. He fell in love. So it, yeah, it was just like like sweat, steam. Yeah, and so then he steam. makes the ultimate cold remedy, which is Coca Cola and ginger. Boiled, boiled cola and ginger. Boiled cola and ginger. <laughs> it's like the hot orangey, a boiling yeah. hot glass of orange juice with peanuts at the bottom. Excuse me. Oh, that's a that's a tweet from Leon, or no, from Bacon. oh, um, the hot orangey. Yeah, we'll put it in. We'll put it in the um, in the show notes. But yeah, one one of his better tweets is Ah, yeah, I love a hot orangey big mug of boiling hot orange juice, peanuts at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been a it's been a um, boiling a hot f- orange juice a, f- a formative um, influence on my thought. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so she goes and meets up with Don Underwear and his new girlfriend, the theater director. Uh, and they, um, you know, and they, they, they have the cola ginger mixture and then tell, tell her to go and visit the school festival. Well, no, they don't have the, the, no, then, then, uh, Don Underwear passes out and Kohai makes an actual, like, food for the sick. And it's like, don't, don't tell Don Underwear that we didn't eat his fucked up. (laughs) She's <laughs> <Just> weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. And then and then they go and tell her to go and visit with the school festival executive, um, who has become massively popular as a result of his cross-dressing antics. Um, and wasn't so he, he wasn't he already known for his cross-dressing antics. He was already known mostly, I think, for being a fascist. Okay, but I don't think he was widely known for being for. I think he was widely known for being a crossdresser, but I don't think he was widely known that that was his crossdressing alter ego. Was this uh, like weird? Was this like weird idol character? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because if it was widely known, then I, I suppose Don Underwear probably would have known it was him. Well, he didn't even know she was an idol to begin with. Yeah. So Don Underwear is really the brightest tool. Yeah. Uh, he's he's very dumb. He's, he's <laughs> Don Don Underwear himbo. <laughs> he totally is. Yeah. Oh <laughs> the, ulti- the ultimate himbo, Don Underwear. Uh, um, and so, uh, so yeah, so she goes and visits with with the school festival executive head, who has received just oodles of gifts uh, as a result of his his performance in the Gorilla Theater. Uh, right. Despite trying to shut it down. Yeah. And, and yeah, and then this is when he's like, uh, yeah, like, he, he brings up the senpai, and like Kohai is still like has completely not caught on to his game. Yeah, he says, yeah, he says. So what happened afterwards with the senpai you keep bumping into on the stage of the eccentric king? And then she says he was just passing through by chance, and then uh, the school because yeah, the, earlier earlier on his his clever plan like in his like in the in the um, like flashbacks of of its uh, of its execution, 
like she'll always be like, oh, what a coincidence. And he's like, oh, no, it's just chance. Uh, coincidence, chance, coincidence, chance, coincidence, chance. And so... Yeah, that, and the yeah. school festival executive is like, oh, that's quite the hijack you pulled. He's my friend after all, and that's the first time I've ever seen him so frantic. But I suppose you wouldn't understand. You always press forward, paying no mind to those left in your wake. The fact that you bumped into him so frequently, you didn't find it strange? Um, and then she she says, up to this point, I had given myself over to wonder, sh- following the road wherever it lead. I had been lax in forging the tactics required for romantic relationships, and noticing the feelings of others was quite beyond me. I suppose trying to grasp my own fluffy cotton candy feelings was difficult as well. Um, yeah, so she suddenly goes ducky ducky, and, and yeah, uh, and then yeah, this one horrible line where she's like, suddenly I was, um, I wanted to like, clump my pillow. Yes, she says. But when I remember Senpai wrapping his arms around my paper mache costume, something inside me goes pop, and I want nothing more than to glomp my red cart. I mean, I guess that's good localization. It's ho- like it's horrific, <laughs> but it's, it's only contextually <clears throat> horrific. So this is where like. <clears throat> earlier they'd been kind of like at the risk of of uh cultural uh, uh what's the term for imposing your kind of like cultural or like media media cultural kind of You're talking about uh, cultural hegemony or cultural appropriation maybe hegemony yeah um uh, hegemony is not quite right it's more reading in like your local like memes to use for like a better word into it into like foreign media i didn't know that was there was a term for that maybe there is maybe we'll have to coin it on this very podcast but anyway at the risk of whatever that is uh, like the beginning like the first half seemed like it was kind of subverting the manic pixie dream girl trope because like she because uh kohai is very much like a kind of like happy-go-lucky um very cutesy. I wouldn't think of it as uh, subverting the Manic Pixie Dream Girl show because this is something that I was going to bring up, which is is that it's it's kind of just a different angle on it, I guess, where the Manic Pixie Dream Girl gets humanized a bit more. It, well, yeah, I mean, because because the it's told from her perspective, but like, I mean, when one of the kind of at least in the original formulation of the trope was that she like is basically a emotional support like pet for the um, the male protagonist and fact, given the fact that she is the protagonist it, that was kind of a a subversion but and until now when when all of a sudden she's like shoehorned into this romantic dynamic yeah um that's definitely that was something that i was thinking of um because like it, and in part it's because they interact so rarely um, right. Screen. I mean, he, he, he's just this creepy incel who's like, is constantly getting thrown into the river. Uh, and so, like, the idea yeah. that there should be any, uh, like, relationship between the two is, is just like the male rom com, like, yeah. narrative. I see that. I also, but like, there, there's like evidence, like, in the in the film that like they're not like strangers it's not like they have never interacted before well no this. they keep running to each other by coincidence i mean chance <laughs> um, but uh. like the like the fact like the fact that she punches him into the river like uh i mean he doesn't really need to like of course yeah. that's accident that's accidental but like in the in the 
language of the film, like that should be like a suggestion that he needs to change his way of going about it, which is currently just wait for her to like come to yeah. him, which she fucking does yeah. at the end. Yeah. Instead of him be- like cleaning up his act and becoming a normal human. Yeah. So like um, after she leaves the executive and she's and he's like go to oh no this there's a there's a there's a gap in between where she, where she visits the underwear pervert is that very important or can we keep talking about it it's not particularly important so she heals him with the power of youth or whatever uh, so early well no because she yeah she visits the well I I actually think it is important because I, I have some screenshots. Oh. Uh, where she talks, where she she says to him, even if you profess your isolation, you're still bound to others. In the end, the thread of fate you weave with everyone is connected to, whether they like it or not. This evening was all thanks to you, a long and a long and wondrous, marvelous night. Yes, um, the, the idea which, of in, the, the interconnectedness of everything, and how even though he tries to kind of seal himself off from the world, uh, even even through his infecting of other people, that is cold. It shows that he can't escape society. <laughs> Um, which like, uh, because ultimately like, like that is, um, like this is, I think in a lot of ways a movie about loneliness and isolation, even as much as it's a movie about partying with other people. Um, you know, it's, it's a movie about, um, like, how do I put this? Like the, the, the way that I read Senpai's, I guess his problem so much isn't that he's an unlikable person because he has friends you know like he hangs out with don underwear and he hangs out with these other people and like mm. like people don't like he's not he's not like a weirdo or like a creep or anything like that he's like just he just like is lonely and doesn't have very good social skills um mm. and to and and it's insane that this is to his credit and it's not really to his credit because it's just him being a normal person but a thing that you would absolutely see that you absolutely see in real life dudes like senpai is them sort of projecting their frustration onto the object of their desire um and painting it out to be their fault you know like he is not like senpai for all of his weird like fucked up ideas about how to to get somebody to like you he's not particularly misogynistic he's Um, just a doofus yeah he's just kind of a moron you know, and that's sort of his arc, you know, so I, I, because I, I think it's, it's definitely tempting to read uh, him as an incel, um, but I don't think he's nearly, like, violent or misogynistic enough to, know, to be know, an I incel. Um, in, at least in the contemporary meaning of the term. Yeah. Well, like contemporary, I mean, the past, like, month <laughs> since the Joker movie came out. Well, no, like, that, the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like it's it's been around for, like like this is kind of what it's meant for ages. Like if you if you look at like it has nothing to do with the Joker movie. I I, I, I want to be super super clear about that. Like this stuff has been going on for a very long time. In like various like Wizard Chan has been around for way longer than anybody was using the term incel to talk about these dudes. Um, hmm. You know, and 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 yeah, yeah. like. He definitely like there's there's some aspects of that in his sort of self loathing and in, and especially in like the final scene where he like he has this like boardroom meeting in his head. Oh yeah, that fucking um, Evangelion ass. Like, yeah, uh, aren't you afraid of being alone? Yeah, uh, um, and and talking about like 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 there's all of that, but he doesn't he he focuses that frustration entirely on himself. 
Yeah, he doesn't than, blame, he doesn't he doesn't blame Asuka for like yeah. his own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah, Senpai doesn't he doesn't blame Kohai, he doesn't blame Don Underwear, he doesn't blame anybody uh but himself for his own failings, which I think right. is 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 part of why I didn't find it's, the second half of this movie as distasteful as I think it could have been. Oh yeah, it could have been a lot worse, but it was like but it was still uh, like so yeah, so that I mean that yeah that that scene was like huge Ava vibes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like uh, just this kind of stream of conscious monologue about like loneliness and the fear of connecting with other people. Yeah, it's definitely uh, like and as much as I really love Ava, I did really like that end bit where he he especially where he talks he talks about um, uh, nothing changed after coming to university. All that came were grades that held no promise for the future. I could delay the inevitable with grad school, but it'll all end in a job hunt anyway. Not clever, not talented, not financially stable, not strong, not determined, not charismatic, not a charming piglet boy one wants to rub cheeks with. Oh, um, piglet boy. Just, a, just an eternal string of I'm not, so there's no way I can make it in this world. Um, oh. Spending all that time rushing about wondering where my talent lies. It's almost like back when I was a freshman, I stored away my talent piggy bank in my closet. Um... <laughs> So yeah, so 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 yeah. In in the in the original Ava, like Shinji gets over that by like realizing that he that despite everything, he still has inherent worth, and that that's a foundation he can build, kind of like um, yeah, his sense of self on, and from there have healthy relationships and yeah. The, because you have that, because you have that sort of, there's sort of two visual metaphors, both in this and in Night of Short Rock On Girl and in Evangelion, where like, in Evangelion, you have the very end bit where he's like sitting in that weird movie studio made of glass and then shatters all of it. And you see literally a force of personality radiating out of him, which like visually is a metaphor for the thing that the whole thing has been talking about, which is that you can't rely on other people to form your self-worth. You... Like, self-worth and value are stuff that come out of you and radiate into the world, and they aren't things that, um, and that they aren't things that come from the world that can fill you up. You can rely on others, like, briefly, but other people have their own shit to deal with. Um, and we talked about all this in our Ava episode. Um. And so, but, like, so Senpai, like, the resolution to his, to that, his, his kind of, the interiority sequence is is not kind of him coming to like a better um, sense of self worth. It's it's him having this kind of elaborate hero fantasy about rescuing Kohai while she's kind of invading his his castle of of self. Uh, so is she so, talk is what do you mean by what do you mean having a hero fantasy about rescuing Senpai? Okay, uh, Kohai. So, Kohai. So, Kohai um, so one, one, so uh, the executive director sends her to his place because he's the last sick person she hasn't visited. Um, and then all of it, and he has the like, terminal common cold. All of his like, um, his little internal committee meeting freaks out, and they have a like mass evacuation, and then a bunch of like. Lego cowboys invade. I don't invade. see those Lego cowboys as rescuing her. I see them as rescuing. No, 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 no. No, I, yeah, I, no. I wasn't saying. I wasn't saying they were rescuing. So what? What are what are the Lego cowboys? Um. So so bef- so to, to sort of clarify. So there's a, there's a scene. 
I, yes, we need. A, we, yes. I think we so need some clarity. There's a scene near the end of the movie uh, where, right after that whole monologue, where uh, Senpai is talking about how he he can't make it in this world. Um, there's like basically this like big UN meeting that's happening in in his in his brain. Um, and they talk about um, the idea of, of like his plan for getting getting to her as being like removing obstacles, and he'll be removing obstacles for the rest of his life. You know, um, so they're and they're talking about how he has he has basically no determination, and they're talking about like oh we need to like claim that we no longer we no longer desire her so that we can preserve our good name. Um, and and like sort of acknowledging like oh well we claimed that we're head over heels in love with her but we don't know anything about her we don't know her at all you know yeah. um and there's there's we don't know anything you know uh and they're one of the one of the the guys in his head says we use the girl an excuse as an excuse a coward's plot to fill the abyss in our heart the world holds a prejudice that students must have sweethearts thus we foolish students hold that to heart regularly rush for social status and then unnaturally we all have sweethearts um in that case all we do is encourage that same prejudice um and so he's like there's just like all these dudes shouting various things about um all we do is run away since we can't predict the future um and and sort of questioning your capability and just sort of being terrified of uh of of the potential future and and terrified of of like because inevitably if you're going to ask somebody out there's a there's going to be a moment where they can say no, because otherwise mm-hmm. you're not really asking somebody out, um, and that's the thing that he's terrified of is, is that he's 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 hoping that eventually what's going to happen is that he's just going to is that he's going to have chance encounters, quote unquote chance encounters with this this girl over and over again enough um, that eventually they'll just start dating miraculously, um, <laughs> and this is his brain being fucking terrified at the realization as it becomes closer that, oh no, he's actually going to have to take some sort of initiative, mm-hmm. um, like, he's actually going to have to have some sort of interaction with this girl that isn't just, oh, we're getting soda from the same vending machine, <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and while they're talking about it, they're like, I ask if we die tomorrow, and any of you have truly no regrets? Uh, and then these, like, weird, yeah, these weird Lego cowboys show up, and what they, I don't see them necessarily as, as being related to the, the sort of montage that's happening at the same time of, uh, Kohai coming after Senpai, but they're, they're sort of, uh, the aspect of Senpai that wants him and recognizes that it's necessary for him to actually like do stuff in order to be happy that he can't just expect other people to do it for him and he can't just expect mm-hmm. you know like happiness to fall into his lap he has to actually make decisions okay, um, okay. you so know and sense. that so- i think is part of why they're cowboys because cowboys yeah. are sort of like like individualist caricatures like they're they're sort of the thing they're they're folks who Ye- they go out and they do what they want you know uh reckless like, yeehaw reckless yeehaw um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's my that's my that's my hot take yeah uh talking about like, like because like that's sort of the the sort of myth of of like lighting out for the territories the idea that you're going to go out there and you're going to seize something that um you're you're gonna you're gonna seize a life for yourself and like of course there's also the problematic implications for that regarding the fact that like the the things that you're ostensibly seizing already belong to people um but seeing as this is a japanese movie and not an american one um it's like 
obviously one needs to acknowledge that, but also I don't think that they're necessarily thinking about like the legacy of American colonialism when using a cowboy as a, as a symbol in a montage about uh, a bunch of guys breaking into the boardroom meeting that is your brain. <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, with this simultaneous like invasion of cowboys and invasion of Kohai, his and whole invasion brain, of body snatchers, his whole brain castle is in disarray, and they're off. Everyone's everyone's freaking the fuck out. Um, and then, uh, as a defense mechanism against against the sudden prospect of vulnerability, his all his little uh, UN officials turn into like horny zombies. And start attacking her to keep her away from the, 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 their 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 president, and she and she's all of the food that um, she was given in thanks for nursing the sick to appease the zombies, and they're all turned into lovey-dovey flowers, and she continues her climb towards senpai, and then at this point, uh, a great wind blows up and and. Because her her skirt is poofy, it, she turns into a floating uh, dirigible, and then the cowboys shoot her down. So they're all yeehaw, yeehaw, um, and shoot a hole in her dress so its parachute effects fail, and she starts to fall into their vat of 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 uh, radioactive piss, <laughs> and that's when he rescues her. Ah. Uh. But I guess it's also partly that, like, the cowboys are him, and also those dudes are him. So it's less that he's rescuing her from anything else, and more that he's rescuing her from his own... Himself. Yeah, from himself. Um, um, I'm watching this sequence now. Yeah, and so then he he floats away on his on his heart, on his heart wings. And then he oh, wakes yeah. Up. This sequence. Um Right, so so the way that I read this when I was watching this, I, re- I remember this sequence now, the way that I read this visually, because uh, it reminded me a lot of the end of Ava 2.0. Um, what happens in the end of Ava 2.0? <laughs> uh, uh, where uh, Shinji goes robot Super Saiyan to try to save Rei from being consumed by oh, whatever right. or whatever like that right, whole right, sequence right, right, there right. then gets completely obliterated and shit out by Ava 3.0 um, but but it's a very similar sort of like the thing that I see it as is not so much him rescuing her although that is like it's kind of that but it's, it's kind of like mostly like him or the way that I read it as was him mostly um, like reach, finally actually taking a proactive effort to reach out and connect with another human being but he doesn't. <laughs> it's all a dream. <laughs> but it. But, but in what sense is it a dream? Like it. Like in fiction, dreams are metaphors for reality. I, uh, yeah, I know. But like, for one thing, he's he's his his proactiveness is just him rescuing him from the cowboys in his dick. <laughs> uh, and and for like. And yeah, I mean, yes, dream, dreams are like metaphors, but like, what's if it's if it's a if it's a metaphor just for him taming the the the, the wild west in his pants? What does that what does that do for us? I so I don't understand why you're reading the cowboys as horny. 
Well, because they shot her skirt. It <laughs> <laughs> seems like spurious evidence. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, then what's he saving her? F- then what part of himself is he saving her from? I mean, if cowboys represent reckless individualism, then it's saving her from reckless individualism, meaning that he no longer considers her needs or desires, which I guess can be read as horniness. Uh, but but again, like because it's a dream, like she doesn't know any of this is happening. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's entirely internal to him, much like the end of Evangelion, not the film, the end of Evangelion, but the end of the show Evangelion. Uh, you know, it's it's much like that where it's it's not literally him saving her, but it's him deciding to actually proactively like interact with this person and not just sort of yeah. like bat her around with his weird Lego cowboys. Yeah. Um. You know. I guess he does ask her out to coffee. Yeah. You know, like actually, because that's a big like thing about what this movie is about is about like connection connecting with other people and the idea because like that's and that's something that i definitely had a question about or or i i i because i i'm definitely like not 100 percent sure on my reading here like i want to be charitable to this movie because i really liked it um you know like and that like sure you're right you know you're right in the sense that it's definitely like like the thing that i saw that was a problem with it is the way that like whereas shinji has to internally uh within himself come to this conclusion you know like this movie come come to the conclusion that he has value like this movie pins like the responsibility for making this like man feel good about himself onto this like random girl that he barely knows um which like can be seen and i think would better be seen in a movie where this wasn't about like a heterosexual romantic relationship as a like the need for um people to reach out and try to connect to people with no connections or try Mm -hmm. to try to reach out to others both in the sense that like oh if you're if you're kohai and you're you know just naturally gregarious and you wander around and you're friends with everybody you know like that's a great position to be in but like there are people out there who aren't like that uh, but because it's like this, but because, you know, of the, the sort of gender dynamic where because this is a heterosexual relationship, it winds up just reading sort of boringly like Manic Pixie Dream Girl shit where she is, after spending the first half of the movie, like, being sort of her own person and living her own, like, arc and life, um, she is then sort of relegated to being, you know, a character who helps this guy come to terms with the fact that he's not worthless. Yeah. Um you know and i guess like it's being a bit generous to say that she has an arc in in this movie <laughs> um you know as much as i like her character like she is she doesn't really wind up in a different place than she was at the start like she yeah is still intent on making connections with other people at the end of the movie as she was at the beginning of the movie and it's really senpai who has an arc which really makes him sort of more the protagonist than kohai yeah. is womp 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 um which is just kind of boring um mm-hmm. like it's it's not i don't think that the end of this movie is bad like it doesn't have it's no like it's nowhere no. near as, it's nowhere near as bad go, as it could have been i didn't um, go like bleh, bleh. i didn't i didn't do that to be, you know. to be clear that's not yeah. what i did <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did not go bleh, bleh. Um, i didn't 
Yeah, but it is definitely like like sort of and and the movie rejects the idea that um that senpai is responsible for his own actions and responsible for his own mental health, which in a sense I appreciate because I feel like part of my problem with the ending of of Neon Genesis Evangelion is the way that it paints mental health struggles is entirely personal and like yeah. involving your community in those sorts of struggles is, is portrayed as being like a burden or an imposition on them you yeah, know which yeah. just makes you feel more lonely if you're yeah, a yeah, depressed yeah. person and you don't know how to get out of it like, and so yeah, it's almost impossible to yeah kind of build up that self-worth without any external like support yeah you know you basically have to you know have a disembodied voice asking you probing questions about your psyche and, nobody, <laughs> and who can afford that <laughs> a disembodied voice asking you probing questions about your psyche in this economy <laughs> um you know and it's always like it's you know because there's always this conversation of just like well nobody else is responsible for your your well-being yeah. But that's also sort of just like a kind of like bullshit libertarian perspective, you know, of the idea that like, well, I, I wash my hands of this because I'm not right. responsible for this person's we, mental health or, yeah, or we're, we're all we're all little individual atoms. Yeah. Uh, with that connections, you know, uh, because is, asking this... me to care about other people is emotional labor that I should be compensated <laughs> for. Um, God, right. uh, you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, and, and of course, like. Part of the problem is what this movie depicts, which is 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 that women are way more often asked to sort of shoulder that burden than men. Because, of course, there's also, like, the, the sort of packaged within this is the assumption that, like, he doesn't just want her to, like, help, to, like, treat him as valuable. He wants to fuck her. You know? Yeah, like, that's, that's another thing. Like, it, like, it doesn't... Uh, the idea, like, her arc is basically going from, like, aromantic to normal hetero and, and like it's so it, and it, when she's talking during her little her little kind of introspection when she glomps her pillow uh she's like oh i've been going through life without like any thought of like romance or thinking about like yeah and i think other people it's like and and, and, and like that is nothing wrong with her. there was nothing wrong with her i think in the first so, half i think there's uh, a little so the i think the the implication i don't know how much this is borne out by the evidence, but the implication that they're trying to pet point out is that she's made all these connections and these friends that she was making before then, but she didn't really have any kind of connection with any of them. She was just wandering around getting drunk with them, you know? Um, yeah. But, so I think that's what they're trying to say, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of her, because she, like, she, like, because she has that monologue after she's already gone out and started visiting her friends when they're right. sick. Right. Like, know? yeah, she, she did, yeah, they weren't just her drinking buddies. They were she, people she cared about. Yeah. And, like, even, even, like, she, and she has, like, too much empathy, like, fucking Toto. <laughs> uh, she goes to bat for him when all he did was feel her up. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of, that's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Because um, her problem is that she doesn't have empathy for the specific person that the audience is supposed to identify with. Um, or not because she doesn't want to, but because she doesn't know him because he refuses to make him, her, himself known to her. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, it's... it's To what degree is... Like, because the thing is, is that it's it's 
the community has a responsibility for the well-being of its members but this movie is about oh no this one woman has a responsibility for the well-being of this one guy Um, which just kind of sucks kind of does um you know because i can see i can see why one would write this story uh or why one would think this story was important to tell because yeah i definitely like I think there's not a person on earth who can't relate to feeling like Senpai does, where you're just like, well, fuck. <laughs> Nobody likes me and nobody's ever going to like me because I'm just fundamentally unlikable and useless. Um, and then you lie uh, in your bed with your with your terminal cold and then you die. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I, like, part of it is, and part of this is me being interested, I and very interested in stories about failure and i like i like cautionary tales uh you know and i see a different a, perhaps a different better version of this movie that just ends more tragically yeah. um you know where this guy just f- fails the entire time and then he dies that seems a bit excessive. It seems a bit excessive, uh, um you know. I mean, but he, I, mean I, I was hoping she would just like nurse him from the cold and be like it's good to finally talk to you. Peace. Uh, <laughs> but of course, like, that wouldn't be a very satisfying ending. Well, so for who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, because they've set up this this sort of goal for one of the protagonists from the very beginning, um, and and to have that like to have it sort of sort of ambiguously resolved, where it's not like he completely and abjectly and abjectly fails, where he like has a confrontation with her, where she says, "I don't actually like you," and then he goes home and either moves on with his life or dies. Who, who has, hey, hey, hey! Who has plot brain now, huh? <laughs> it's not a plot thing; it's a thematic thing. Um, is it though? I mean, I don't see a problem with it. it. Like her just being the same person she always was, and um, him having to him having to like confront that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be subversive in a way that's interesting. Anyway, yeah, then, it's, it, I then, think yeah, it's then, definitely... then, then she then she gives him some radioactive piss, and he asks her out on a date, and they go out on a date, and they go on a date, and that's it. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you that the first half of this movie is way stronger than the second half. Like, you know, yeah. there's just, like, like basically just, like, the entire arc with, with everybody having a cold and all of that stuff. Like, like it's, I understand the need for a tone shift in the sense that you can't have 90 minutes of just, like, insane manic garbage. Um, you could. You could, I guess. But, like, like it wouldn't, it would just be exhausting at a certain point. But um, it's, like, the movie does the second half stuff so much worse than it does, like, the sort of manic, wacky garbage. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, in in large part because it's it's distracted enough by being wacky and enjoyable that it it's not entirely sure what it wants to say, and when it settles <laughs> on a thing that it wants to say, the thing that it wants to say is that uh, if you're a girl and a guy has a crush on you, you are responsible for realizing that and then helping him, uh, and then like walking, working him up to being able to ask you out. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, which just sucks. It does. Um, but I got some damn good gifts out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the other thing is that we, we barely talked about is this movie is absolutely gorgeous. 
Hell yeah! It's, it's yeah. It's it's the stylism is so unique. Yeah, it looks like nothing else, and it's it's just like everything is so good, and the way that they choose to depict it, like they never, there's almost never a scene of just like two people talking, doing boring dialogue. You know, they yeah, always take yeah, advantage yeah. of the medium of animation. Like when when Don Underwear tells that story about about him meeting Apple Girl, like it's not just Don Underwear just like monologuing to these people in shot reverse shot. Like they have this like little mini vignette of of that happening with like this like neat little like uh you know bright colored style with no outlines Uh, um and like they 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 play around with that sort of stuff um yeah it's lovely Uh, yeah it's 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 really good like they they never they never just like waste your time with just like boring shit that you would see in a live action movie because you can't do the sorts of stuff the sort of more expressive stuff in a live action movie, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's it's like it's 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 an animated movie, and it knows it's an animated movie, and so all of the characters and environments and backgrounds and and acting and everything is done up in a way that it's like you wouldn't see this in a live action movie because it would be impossible. It, yeah, definitely. It it, it yeah it, it takes advantage of like you said the medium in ways that some of the other shit we've seen has not. Yes. So yeah, I think we've pretty much covered this film you, um, you 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 did predict we'd make it four hours though i did predict we'd make it four hours uh well we made it to two hours which is still pretty long that's true yeah uh so alex so yes uh, we have received an email holy fuck uh, your, your 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 desperate plea boyfriend. my desperate plea so we've never received an email before and so we received an email uh Laura writes, how have you never <gasps> fucking received email at this address? That's wild and unfair. Oh, Laura. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, we didn't really receive an email. We rece- well, I mean, we literally received an email, but it, it was it was content free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just it was just it was just referen- referencing our own lack of email. Our own lack of email. Um, mm. So yeah, so again, we have an email address. NIHRestrictionGmail.com. I'll reiterate. I'll reiterate it later in the show. Uh, send us email about this episode or any episode we've ever done, or the preferably the show that we're going to watch next month if you've seen it, or even if you haven't seen it, uh, and we will probably answer it. Uh, unless unless it's obnoxious, in which we'll either ignore it or read it in a funny voice. Yes. <laughs> and then and then ignore it. Yeah. Uh, so, Alex. So, do you have a book to recommend? I do. Uh, so this, I, I've, so this is um, the End of Days by Jenny Erpenbeck, and it's very similar to a book I've talked about on in other venues. <clears throat> it's very similar to Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Um, that book is uh, she's a British author, and it's about a woman uh, living in England in the uh, born in early 20th century and, and basically her her life or series of lives in the 20th century. So the conceit of life after life is that whenever she dies, she it, everything is basically reset to her birth again. And so she she lives through like dozens and dozens of lives uh, until the end when like all her previous lives start to kind of bleed through the rest. And so uh, by contrast, this this book I'm recommending, um, The End of Days by Jenny Erpenbeck, is 
uh, it's a woman in um, well, what was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and then be- then is annexed, um, and it, be- it it is also about like multiple um, ways the life can go, but it's the this is more strictly like these are the possible lives one can lead, and so it begins with the baby dying at birth and it kind of it focuses more on the relationships and the ripple effects that when someone dies has on their community so um the first time that the woman dies it's she she's like an eight one eight month old baby and um so the father uh the the mother and her and her family are jewish at a time when that's um Rough to be Jewish in Europe. Obviously, a rough time to be Jewish, and so he is not, and so um, and so he kind of he actually so he like quote unquote gave up a lot to be to marry her, and so when the baby dies, it's kind of the last straw, and he lights out to America. Uh, she kind the the mother kind of like loses all kind of drive, and she ends up sleeping with this like customer at her. At, at the store she's helping out at, and then he he coerces her into prostitution, um, and so everybody everyone kind of um, ends up not too happy with her with how things goes. And the next time she makes it to teenagerhood, uh, and then she gets extremely depressed over like post World War One and getting jilted by this guy she's had a crush on forever, and she ends up committing suicide. And, and the next time she is uh, killed by like the like the Stalinist reign of terror in, uh, in like during the run up to World War Two, and then she survives past World War Two, and then she and then she survives past the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, but it, it makes it very clear that these are all like possibilities. It, it is one kind of evocative phrase where the author talks about death being falling out of all possible worlds. Uh, Whereas with life after life, it's like, these are like, this actually happens over and over because by the end, like her previous life start kind of like bleeding through and she can almost see the future. And so, whereas with the Kate Atkins, because, because by the end of it, she can kind of see where her life could lead. Um, she's able to kind of craft the perfect life, like dodge the kind of the, 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 the things that tripped her up before. And, and uh, it actually ends with her killing Hitler <laughs> before he can take power, um, which is incredible. But um, the, by, by kind of the Jenny Erpenbeck is far less kind of triumphal. Like it's much more about, the impossibility of of knowing not only how and when we might die, but uh, the like the impossibility of knowing everything about someone else even before they die, and especially like what happens to them after they die. And so, all of the deaths are completely kind of uh, just kind of freak accidents, or just um, after after each one, there's like an intermission passage where she's like lists every single way in which this could have been averted like all the kind of flukes that built up to the up to this death and 
it's excellent. It's a, but, it, but it's, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's so they, 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 they both kind of touch on the same theme, but, um, have very different per- perspectives on it. So I guess I'm technically recommending two books. But you um, already recommended one of them. I haven't, not, not, not as a podcast recommendation. You haven't? I don't think so. I thought you did. But I don't <laughs> Maybe know. I did. Okay. Well, if I haven't, uh, I had to like, manually go back and check and make sure that I hadn't recommended the book that I wanted to recommend. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, well, you can edit, edit this out if I have, but... No, you haven't recommend- recommended this book. You haven't recommended The what? Other Days, but I thought you'd no, I know. Life After Life. But maybe you've just talked about it on the stream. I, I, and I talked about it on Mastodon. We were, we were talking about narrativity, and um, so I've, ta- I've I've yelled about it enough that it's probably kind of a worm in yeah. your brain. <laughs> so, yeah, so Life After Life by Kate Atkinson and The End of Days by Jenny Erpenbeck. All right. Um, so I had a few different I'm, I'm i'm bummed that i uh already recommended hmm i'm now i'm thinking maybe i should change my mind about what i'm going to recommend oh boy oh boy um because so i've already recommended in the past two murakami novels and this movie is the most murakami ass thing we've ever watched <laughs> um so i kind of feel um a little weird about about recommending another one um, so, yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll save a Murakami novel for later. I am going to recommend what I was originally planning on recommending, which is If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. Uh, so I previously oh, recommended a, a Calvino novel. I recommended Invisible Cities, uh, which is the other one that, of his that I've read. And, uh, If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler is, it's, it's a very hard book to pitch. Uh, so... It is told in the second person. So it ha- so it's, it's alternating chapters. The odd-numbered chapters are told in the second person, and they are about you trying desperately to read the new Italo Calvino novel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so in the first chapter, you go down to the, to the local bookstore to buy the new Italo Calvino novel called If on a Winter's Night a Traveler, uh, and you buy the book, and you arrive home, and then you start reading the book, and then you get to be even number chapters and the even number chapters are all basically there's 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 10 of them and there's they're just different uh they're basically the first like 10 to 15 pages of some book that doesn't exist that it's calvino has just made up and he's just imagined what would the beginning of this book be like if it existed um and they're in a wildly different styles like there's there's like detective fiction and spies and like and like historical fiction and just like all this stuff uh so the first one is this like spy fiction story about a guy waiting at a train station with like a a briefcase full of secrets and then the book like ends and then like what is a man but a filthy little briefcase full of secrets yeah and then he like the the the, it gets the story gets cut off at a cliffhanger and then there you're and then it goes back to an odd number chapter where you realize that the rest of the book is blank and it's been misprinted and also this has nothing to do with the book that you claim that you thought that you were buying and so you go back to the bookstore and they're like oh so sorry about that here have another copy and so you bring it back home uh and then you find out that not only does this have nothing to do because now not only are you looking for this italica vino novel you're looking for this other book that has been misprinted inside this italica vino novel which seems very interesting (laughs) and which you've just been cut off from reading um and so basically this keeps escalating and and you get involved in this extremely elaborate uh 
like, conspiracy involving, like, publishing companies and, like, uh, fascist South American dictatorships, um, that, like, and also involves this other, this other reader, uh, who, who is also on the same, the same weird conspiratorial journey as you trying to find these, this book. Um, and yeah, it's a joy to read. The reason I'm recommending it is because it reminds me a lot about uh, of this movie, not in the details, but in sort of, like, the broad structure of just, like, two people who are, like, sort of kept apart from, by circumstance, even though they're clearly interested in each other, and they also are involved in just a, the stupidest conspiracy of all time. Uh, excellent. Uh, and it's, it's excellent. an absolute joy to read. You get to read Calvino, you know, putting on his best hat as a, as a, as a writer of, of a variety of different styles, he's he's a really he's a really great writer, and you get to read this just really weird conspiracy thriller. Um, so yeah, uh, that's "If on a Winter's Night a Traveler" by Italo Calvino, and uh, as always, the links to both of these books are in the show notes. Uh, so, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I think we have one. More we do. I was say. about to do it. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at prophet underscore goddess. I forgot my username for a second. Okay. You can find me on Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton dot cool. You can find the show on Twitter at anime is for jerks. You can find the show on Mastodon at anime is for jerks at skeleton dot cool. You can email us. Please, for the love of God, email us at anime is for jerks at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. Uh, I think I, yeah. where can you find me? Where yeah, where can, where, can, where can people find you online, Alex? That's, I, on Twitter, done, 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 that's D-U-N-N, three times, it's very clever, because it's my last name, get it? Uh, and then on Mastodon, at Catalina at selfie.army, at selfie with a Y, and I don't have an email address, so don't even bother. <laughs> You never, you've never even heard of email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? What is this archaic technology? It is like the Antithecari mechanism to me. The what? You know that like weird, like computer, like ancient Greek computer that we found at the bottom of the ocean that's made out of rocks. Oh yeah. I don't know why that's what I pulled out of my head when I tried to think of old technology. It was a good. It was a good. Deep dive, though. <laughs> I mean, a deep cut, maybe? Is that the word? Yeah, a deep cut. Uh, uh, literally deep, because it was found at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, holy shit. Okay, so next month. Next month. Uh, yes, next month. What are we going to be watching, Alex? So, so next month, we will be watching The Tale of the Princess Kaguya, uh, written and directed by Isao Takahata. And, yeah, this is... Uh, Produced by Ghibli, and uh, Takahata was yet yeah, also the director of *Grave of the Fireflies*, which I have not had the emotional uh, bandwidth to actually watch yet. <laughs> eventually, it'll it'll be on the show eventually, and then the the epi- and then the episode will just be an hour of the two of us crying. <laughs> God. <laughs> so look forward to that. Yes, consider I, this I, dismaying observation. That'll be our fi- that'll be our ca- our final episode. Our final episode, and then we'll die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, all right, yeah. So, 
if, uh. if, yeah, if, if nothing else, uh, keep subscribed to this podcast so one day you can hear us weep. Yes, watch this space, as they say in the biz. <laughs> and I think that's it. I think yeah, that's about it's it. Time for- Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye.